have to tell you too, I'm a little excited about tonight just because all week, every time I've been preparing, it's like God's presence just sits down on me and I'm like, whoa, like he's really on this thing. So I just want to do a quick recap of last week for those that weren't here and for those that are here to just share the highlight points. So last week we talked about the image, the cherubim, and the cherubim appearing in the Garden of Eden. They appear on the Ark of the Covenant. They appear in the throne room of God. Remember in the book of Revelation, it says they're going to and fro the throne. We know that their image is on the veil, on the side of the veil that was in the temple that's in the holy place, and that the images of their faces, because they have four faces, are on the inside image in the Holy of Holies on the veil on that side. And then we talked about the meaning of those. Do y'all remember the four images that the cherubs, the cherub had, the cherub have four heads, right? And those four heads, if you recall, show us different things. The first image is the image of a lion, the face of a man, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. And we, we learned last week that the image that's the lion is Jesus, the lion, the tribe of Judah. We're shown the lion, the tribe of Judah. In the book of Matthew, it shows us Jesus as king. It does the genealogy back to David, right? Y'all still with me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In the book of Mark, it shows us Jesus, the ox, as the servant. In the book of Mark, the most common word used in the book of Mark is immediately, because a servant comes immediately. They move immediately. In the book of Luke, it shows us Jesus as a man. It's the only gospel that records his prayer life, because as a man in the earth, you have to get away with God to be equipped to live. So it shows us the genealogy in the book of Luke, going back to Genesis, establishing that he came from Adam all the way. So he was all man and all God. And then the fourth image is the image of the eagle. And the eagle is in the book of John. It's showing us Jesus's deity. It's the only gospel that records his prayer in the garden. And it shows the heart of God for man in the book of John. We talked about how the Israelites, when they camped, that they camped and the focus of the camp was the presence of God in the temple and how all these things were pointing to the finished work of Jesus, that their camp itself was set up like a cross. And so when you look down, you saw the smoke in the center of the cross, just like in the garden, when the flaming sword that has a flame in the center of it, it is a cross with the altar right here in the center, just like the camp, just like everything that's speaking of what Jesus is getting ready to do. So we talked about that last week, and with all of that information, we talked about how that related to the high priest, and that, so I want to start with the scripture that we ended with last week about the high priest, because Jesus is our high priest, and that's great news. Can y'all tell me why that's great news? Does anybody remember? Why is that great news that Jesus Jesus is our high priest? He represents us, and God's response to us is, according to... How good our our priest. That is exactly right. So let's look at the scripture. Hebrews is falling out of my Bible. No, here it is. Where did I? I got my there. 
Okay, so we're going to take off. Well, was that a good 30,000 feeder? Mm-hmm. No. Yes. Mm-hmm. For those that were last here last week? Can I put that? Okay. Wobbly. It's wobbly. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Every high priest chosen from among men is, an, is chosen to act on behalf of men in things relating to God. So remember, last week we said the high priest represents the people to God. If the high priest was a good, godly high priest, God dealt with the people based on the high priest. He didn't deal with the people based on them. He dealt with the people based on the high priest. So the priest represented the people to God. If it was a godly high priest, God would be good to the people. If it was an ungodly, God had to, there was judgment that came. But it was the high priest. It was solely about the high priest. So that's what it's saying in the scripture. It's starting by telling you that. And then it says, pointed to act on behalf of men and things relating to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to exercise gentleness and forbearance towards the ignorant, erring ones, since he himself is also liable to moral weakness and physical infirmity. And because of this, he's obliged to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. Besides, one does not appropriate for himself the honor of being a high priest, but he is called by God and receives it of him, just as Aaron did. So too, Christ, the Messiah, did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed and exalted by him who said, You are my son, and today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a high priest forever after the order or rank of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed, and supplication with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. And he was heard because of his reverence towards God, his godly fear, his piety, and that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Although he was a son, he learned active obedience through what he suffered. In his complete experience making him perfectly equipped, he became the author and source of eternal salvation to all those who give heed and obey him, being designated and recognized and saluted by God as a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Why is it such a big deal that he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek? No beginning and no man. Exactly. Melchizedek appeared to Abraham, and one of the things, the defining things about him was he was an eternal high priest. So what the Bible's telling you right now is, Forever, your high priest, Jesus, the one who's representing you before God, who's lived a completely perfect life, and that God forever will deal with you based on his life, this eternal priest is representing you. I'm telling you, when you really understand this, you will never not go to God as your first go-to when trouble hits. Mm-hmm. Everything God has ever done for you, he's done because of Jesus, not because you did something right. It's good if you did something right, but God does what he does for you because Jesus did everything right. Right. 
That is a huge deal. <clears throat> it is a huge deal. So that's where we ended up last week. So that was last week. So this week, I want to talk about this topic. It's really, it's really dear to my heart. I'm going to start with the Amplified, and I want to read this in the Amplified at the Passion. But tonight, I'm going to talk about, over the next several weeks, I'm going to talk about terms that people use where prayer is concerned. First of all, I want to say this. Prayer is communication. Without communication, there's no relationship. Prayer is communication. We could say prayer is your life in God. Without it, there is no God life. Prayer is not just simply asking. Communication, think for a minute. I want you to think for a minute about communication just in general. We can communicate with our hands. We can communicate with just a simple sigh. We can communicate, right? We can do all kinds of things that communicate that aren't talking. The same is true in God. God can speak in a sunrise, the Bible tells us in Psalms. He talks in thunder. He, he talks in lightning. David heard him in the wind. What I want you to take the limits off, and I want you to start being moved by presence, because when you do that, God will do amazing things. I think I shared with y'all last year about seeing a, that little picture thing. Remember I shared with you the picture? Mm-hmm. Did, was that the ladies group or did Maybe. I do it? I was shopping with a friend one day and there was this piece of pottery that is really not my wheelhouse. It's There's nothing about it in the natural that Karen would go, but when I walked past it, it grabbed my heart and I felt God. And so I went over and I picked it up and I was looking at it. And when I was holding it, God's presence was just resting on me. And it was like, I I loved it. And I even looked to see how much it was. And we had just had a conversation that morning about how Mr. Budget was in intensive care. There was no extra spending going on. And so I just, uh, and I was having lunch with my friend, Nancy Dottie, breakfast. And we were leaving Market Street. It was at Market Street. And I looked at it and I just set it back down. And I left with Nancy An hour later, my doorbell rang, and when I opened the door, there was a little gift sack. Nancy had bought this thing for me and put it on my door, and I brought it in, I sat down, and I said, God, you know I don't like this. Like, I don't like this picture, but you're on it. Why are you on it? And in that moment, the spirit of prayer came on me, and I began praying, just travailing in prayer, because on this little picture was a dove with a piece of wheat in its mouth. And I began to pray, and there was a ministry. At the time, I didn't know it was a ministry, but I was praying over this thing. Three days later, I'm in a meeting, and they're talking about something that happened on that day that I prayed about. I called things out, and there's no way in the natural I could know that. And God used this stupid little picture to get my attention, to pray out a rescue for someone that was being held captive for preaching the gospel. And the symbol on this little picture was the symbol of the ministry. It was their icon. Okay. God draws us by his presence all the time. Do y'all remember the story of the burning bush? Mm. Do you know that Moses would never have delivered the people if he didn't stop to go see why the bush was burning? In our life every day, God's like doing signs, road signs. And you can miss it by being focused on your list. You can miss it 
Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to make a bunch of ethereal people who go around, well, I'm waiting on God. You know, I don't want to, it's not weird. God's not weird. He made you and he's not weird. Although most people would think what I just said is weird. Mm -hmm. God, God totally gets your whole life. But I'm telling you, when you get to be, when you get to work with him, sometimes with prayer, I feel that I, I wouldn't recommend this movie, but I'm going to say it anyway. The movie Sniper, have you ever seen that movie? You know, it is like sometimes you get to work with God as a Holy Ghost sniper, and He lets you at 40,000 feet go, Baba! and take out the enemy without him, even knowing you were there. And then later you get to hear about it. Later you get to know. So tonight, what I want to talk about is on those lines is is getting to that place where you cultivate that heart sensitivity, where you live in the ascended life of God. Do you understand? The scripture, and if you read Psalms, I read Psalms every day, Proverbs every day, but if you read in Psalms every day, you'll hear this language, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, but you'll hear this language. Uh, I let my heart ascend into God. Mm -hmm. I let my heart ascend into God. I want to talk about that process because one of one of the things I've learned over the years is that most Christians never get out of the outer court. Remember last week we looked at the temple? There's the outer court, the holy place, the most holy place. And it's funny, most 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 Christians don't get out of the outer court. The ones that do get to the holy place, but the moment that manifest presence comes, they're good. They're done. And that's right at that place where you transition to being God's inheritance. Do you understand? And they don't just stick just a couple of minutes longer. Wasn't that what Jesus said in the garden? Couldn't you tarry with me just like just an hour? An hour? That's such an unpopular thing. Couldn't you pray like an hour? That's so unpopular. I remember back in the 80s, there were books. People were writing books. People were holding meetings to pray for an hour. Not that that's a, an hour is a special time of prayer, but the point is stay with God until He's done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say one way that you can practice this thing that we're going to talk about tonight, and we're gonna, I'm getting to the Bible. Don't worry. We're going to the Bible right now. But one of the ways that you can practice this is like that song I just played for you. When someone sends me something like that and God's presence is resting on it. Now, sometimes God's presence resting on it for you. So not everybody is going to like, people send me stuff and I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's good. I listened. We're done. But sometimes like this, for me, God's presence was just sitting on it. Well, you know what? I will not leave that until his presence isn't sitting on it anymore. I will listen to that over and over. And every time I'll lean in to where he's touching me. Oh, he's leaning in. He's touching me on uh, he's my security. God, I'm putting my security on the altar. I don't know if I'm trusting in savings and retirement. I lay that right there. That's security. I'm asking you to open me up and let me see. Do you understand? It's an easy way to cultivate your ability to follow presence. Because when his presence comes, it's come to do what he sent it to do. And the moment you give it attention, he starts talking to you to cooperate with it. 
Are y'all with me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go. Let's go to the Bible. Shall we read from the Bible? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I want you to feel like you've actually been to church. Let's go to John. Everybody say, I love Karen. Because your faces aren't saying that at all. You are smiling, honey. You are. <laughs> it is true. All right, John 14. I would say, just so you know, John 14, 15, 16, and 17 is my favorite of the Bible. If I had to choose, I would have that and nothing else. Because I believe these scriptures show the heart of God. So let's start at 14, verse 1. Jesus is talking here. These are the instructions he's giving before he leaves the planet. And I'm going to start just right now by blowing up a sacred cow. Y'all ready? Pull. Ba-ba. Here we go. <laughs> Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and when I go and make ready a place for you, I will come back and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. So if you look in the original language, it actually implies take you into myself. Jesus is saying here, I'm going to heaven, and I'm going to spill the blood. I'm going to make a place for you to walk in heavenly places. And then I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to bring you inside of me. And inside of me, there's all kinds of dwelling places. In my father's house, there's lots of dwelling places. There's rooms of healing. There's rooms of blessing. There's rooms of intellectual property. There's rooms of math problems that solve the problems of the world. There are rooms in Jesus that he's got for you to dwell in. But he says, I'm going away and I'm going to come back and take you inside of me. And then he says that where I am, you can be also. Let's keep going. Thomas says, Thomas, clueless Thomas, Lord, where do we not know where you're going? So how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So I'm going to stop right here, and I want to remind you last week, if you remember, I brought my little picture helps. Do you remember what I told you last week about the temple? That the outer court is now, so let me get my picture of the outer court. There's the outer court right here. We've got our sacrifice where it looks like a cross, and this outer court is known in the rabbinical tradition as what? The way. So when you're letting your heart ascend to God, this is the first place you stop. This is the first place you stop. What happens here? Forgiveness of sin. What happens here? Your conscience gets cleared. So when you spend time with God, if you confess your sins before God, it's not because there's a need for a covering of the blood. The blood is there. You confess before God because it clears your conscience. Because you're acknowledging to your own self, you need a Savior. Mm -hmm. Remember last week I talked about humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, but humility is always done in faith. Do you understand? Because if you don't, there's a Pentecostal tradition that you'll find yourself in before you, you know it too long. 
where you're seeing yourself like a worm and you're so unworthy because you recognize Mm -hmm. when you humble yourself, you'll immediately experience God. Why? The Bible tells you. He says he resists the the proud, but he does what? Give grace to the humble. The moment you humble yourself, you experience God. He's right there, just right there. The moment you take responsibility for your wrong choice, he's right there. But I want you to see Jesus is telling him right here, this is how you let your heart ascend. He he is the way. So you get with him and you empty out your heart. He is the way. The second thing, when you go into the holy place, in the holy place, if you remember, the holy place was the seven branch candlestick, which represents the seven spirits of God. The seven spirits of God, I'm just going to say this real quick. It's in Isaiah 11.2. It lists them. It's wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, and holiness. Those are the seven spirits of God, the Holy Spirit. And there is the showbread, which is Jesus, his daily, daily bread taken daily, the altar of incense, which is prayer from the saints. So we could say it this way. The altar of incense is our asking or petitions before God. All right? Y'all are so quiet. So that area is known as the truth. So we're putting into our lives the truth. So we start over here where we come before the Lord and we empty us of ourselves. Whatever it is that pops up in our conscience that tries to disqualify us, We lay that down, and by faith, we receive what the blood has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. Then we enter into that truth area where we really engage the Holy Spirit. We really take in the written Word of God. God will quicken sometimes scriptures to you in this place, and then we begin to voice anything now that's a concern that's keeping us from totally focusing on Him. Are you with me? So this is the area of truth. And when we focus on concern, we always do it in faith. Mm -hmm. Jesus is always the answer. This holy place encounter, I love it because you can see it all through Psalms. David comes into these encounters with God And he starts by like, dude, we went to war. You said to go to war. You weren't there. And then within a couple of of verses, he goes, but you, God, rule the heavens. Why? Because in his humility and coming and being authentic, God reminds him of who God is. God reminds him of what he does. God reminds him. Do you see? Truth is dispensed in the place. So let's go back to John. I'm going to read down to verse 20. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would also have known my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. Then we shall be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all for so long? And do you not recognize and know me yet, Philip? Anyone who has sent me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am my Father and the Father is in me? What I'm telling you, I do not say on my own authority or of my own accord. But the Father who lives in me, he does the works. Believe me 
that I and the Father and the Father is in me, else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. If you cannot trust me, at least trust these works that I do in my Father's name to convince you. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do the things that I do. He will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am so that the Father may be glorified and extolled. Yes, I will grant, I myself will do whatever you ask in my name representing all that I am. If you really love me, you'll be able to obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, that he may remain with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him or recognize him, but you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you just a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that time, you will know for yourself that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So Jesus' agenda, he's got, he wants you to come to the Father. He wants you to know that just as the Father is in him and he is in the Father, you're in him and he's in you. The same way. Also, I want you to see that he says, up to now, you haven't been able to do this. You haven't been able to present the I am to the I am. Isn't that what we just read? Mm -hmm. Presenting all that I am. How did God introduce himself to Abraham? I am that I am. Up to now, you've not been able to present I am to I am. But now you can present I am to I am. Okay, I want to read it. This out of the passion because I really loved how it said it. Y'all still okay? Yes. Yes. Y'all, I could stop. You can no, 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 you're good. Okay. I want to read this the way, the truth, and the life from the Passion. Jesus explained, I am the way, the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know the Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. The only way to the Father is union through Jesus. The only way is union through Jesus. So I want you to just think about, I want to say this as we go a little further into this, letting your heart ascend into God. Okay, guys, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm probably going to go down a path that might make you feel uncomfortable, so guard your imagination here for a minute. But the word yada that, that the Bible uses when a man knows a wife, when a husband knows his wife, it's yada, that word for intimacy. When Adam knew Eve and brought forth a son, that word is yada. That same word is used for us knowing God. That intimacy is a picture of this intimacy. So with that said, I'm going to say something. If you want to kill your intimate life with your mate, you make it mechanical. 
you decide that this is the way it's always have to be. God made us living, breathing things so that we know one another and that knowing is constantly moving and changing. I remember when we were newlyweds, we were talking one, one day, Josh was asking me a bunch of questions. And I said, what are you doing? Like I could see in his brain, he was like, making, he goes, I'm making a grid for you <laughs> because he's a doctor. And that's how he sees this patient and that patient and this patient and has all their medical history and stuff in his head and is able to keep it all separate. He makes a grid. So he thought, I'm going to grid for them. I'm going to knock this out. I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> and I'm like, Debbie, when I grabbed him by the face, I said, baby, there is no grid for me. <laughs> what worked today will not work tomorrow, and no. you will be a fool to try it. <laughs> there is no grid. Just like God, it has to be mercy that's new every morning. I'm saying this because what I'm about to share with you, I don't want you to make a grid. God is a living, moving, expanding being. He doesn't want little robots that write down, this is how you go to God. He wants it fresh and new every day, and it may not be the same yesterday that it is today. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what I'm sharing with you are heart notes, heart notes. So when you're married, how in the world are we over here? Okay. When you're married and you begin to learn one another physically, you make heart notes. This person enjoys this. This person enjoys this. And if you're wise, you'll take those heart notes to the Father. Mm-hmm. Lord, show me when to use this thing. Instead of taking this ammunition like a button that I want to push for satisfaction. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Can I say mm-hmm. it that way? Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you do that, your marriage bed will become not healthy. But if you take that to the Father and say, prompt me when this is, and you bring him into your relationship, like we talked about in intimacy, boy, you will hit the mother load. Because God knows minds, hearts, bodies. He knows everything. Are you with me? The same thing is true with God. When you're approaching God, these heart notes are important to note because they give your your own heart confidence before Him. When I got that revelation about the high priest being representing me forever, I'm telling you, I run to God. I run to God. Even when I'm mad at Him, I run to God because I really do believe He is the only place real help comes from. And I'm confident I'm represented well, even when I'm the reason I'm in trouble. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we talked about the way being the outer court and the sacrifice. I want to I wanna just go through what I've written down about the way. So the outer court is the place of judgment. It's the place of sacrifice. I don't know if you know this, but the word... Sacrifice in the Bible is the word korban, and it literally means ability to come near. Jesus is your ability to come near. Mm -hmm. When you lay your life down with his sacrifice, you tap into your ability to come near. Okay? Recognizing what you need, what you've done. Let's look at, somebody look up James 4, 1 through 10. 
and I'll look at it. Okay. And Josh, look up Romans 1 at 12. One. Go ahead and read James. What? Wait, Mark's got something. So I was reading Leviticus in Hebrew a couple of years ago. It blew me away right at the beginning. The Hebrew text literally says, whoever draws near with a draw near often. The English says a man who comes with an oblation going, I don't even know what that word means. But when I saw it in Hebrew, it's the word corpi. Whoever draws near with a draw near offering. The moment they got the tabernacle set up, the very next chapter is Leviticus 1. And the very first thing the Lord says, he's going, I want people to learn how to draw near with a draw near offering. And I'm going, that's Jesus. Yes. It's it Hebrews 10.19. It is. It is. I want to say this. I've had two heart ablations. I know what that is. An ablation <clears throat> is for, like, when you have a heart ablation, what they do is if your heart is misfiring, they map your heart, and they actually, with lasers, burn the part that's misfiring to make it fire, to make, like, a roadblock there, so it'll skip the misfire. And I would imagine that God is trying to communicate that when we open our heart to Him, He actually ablates the part that is not working with Him, that is misfiring and making us get off course to make us function properly and ablates that with His presence. Let's read uh, James James 4, 1 through 10. What causes what fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot attain, so you fight and fail. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud that gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return to mourning and your joy to burden. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Okay, so I we our lives are a living sacrifice. Um, the second thing that I want to point out here is I love the scripture in the Amplified. It says that the Holy Spirit yearns over you. He yearns with a jealous love to be welcome, to be welcome. He yearns to be welcome. He yearns, we could say it this way, he yearns to have a place. I had looked this up the other day. Yeah. And yearn there means long for, strain for, desire greatly. Affection and pursuit of love. So good. Okay, I want to look at with the same thing in mind. So we're talking about the outer court, our confession before God, settling to be 
Yeah, I want to read this. I'm going to read it because okay. I wrote that in the Amplified. Romans 12, I'm going to start one. I appeal, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all of the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, and consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Isn't it interesting the Bible calls it worship? Do not be conformed to this world, fashioned after it with its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect for you. So, in this place that's the way the outer court plays, it's really where you sit down, you recognize Jesus' sacrifice, you humble yourself in faith, recognizing that you need a Savior. It's also the place where you settle your yes before God. You know, it's one thing to tell somebody yes after they've told you what they want. It's a totally different thing to tell them yes before they've told you anything. It's where you give God your yes. Then we go into the holy place where the the Spirit of God and the sevenfold Spirit of God is. And these things happen in a matter of moments. Accessing God. One of my favorite things to do when I when I used to teach prayer tools, I would make people stop. You know, you can experience the manifest presence just by acknowledging that God's here. Mm-hmm. Did you know it? Mm-hmm. The Bible says, be still and know. That word know is yada. So he has to be present to be intimate. So that's, so we're just going to do that right now. We're just going to get still and we're going to intentionally, Father, we just right now be still and we turn our affection to you. We want you to know that we need you. I want you to know I need you. Yes. That I'm hungry for you. And I want you to know that I value what you value. <laughs> do you see? The moment we turn our heart, he's right there. Mm-hmm. He's right there. But y'all, if you do this here, all prayer is in the spirit. All prayer is from here. It's from your union with him. My Sparky's girls, <laughs> they're like, on the floor. Okay, let, okay. So the altar of incense, the prayer of the saints, the truth of the covenant in this holy place is where you settle everything that has to do with yourself. It's where you settle everything that has to do with yourself. I want to say something about Jesus. I was listening to Heidi Baker, and she was sharing the story. Y'all know who Heidi Baker is? Okay. She was sharing the story of this group of people coming into their encampment and they were starving and their pantries were out of food and they were coming in. It was about a hundred people and they were starving and she knew they were coming for food. They had no food. And she took her Bible and went over into the pantry and just sat down and began to cry out to Jesus. She just sat down and began to cry out to Jesus. And in, in the sharing, she stopped and she said, when he said, He's everything you need. He meant he's everything you need. 
Right now, I want you to think for just a second. These 12 men who traveled with Jesus everywhere they went, they saw him raise the dead. They saw him do miraculous miracles, but they never once asked him, teach us to do a miracle. They never once asked him, teach us how to raise the dead. What did they ask him? Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Because they recognized everything he needed Everything he needed came from the Father. And if they could learn to access the Father the way he did, everything they needed, are you with me? Yes. There's something about this. There's something about, anyway, she prayed. She's in there praying. And in 20 minutes, this huge semi pulled into their property. Guess what? Full of bread. Amen. They said, Where's Mama Iris? The Holy Spirit told us to bring this here. Years ago, Josh and I, we, our gas grill exploded, our house burned to the ground. And when we were going through that, you have to, the insurance company buys your house while they rebuild it. And then you have to reclose and buy it back at the end. And in it, we had $9,000 worth of change orders we did to our house rebuild. And that was $9,000 that we did not have. We did not have. But when we when I walked through that process with the Lord, every day God would meet me. You know, this little Baptist girl was being transformed into a Holy Spirit girl. And I remember one night, it was really close to the end of it all, but one night I'm watching Benny Hinn on TVN. These are back in the days of TVN. I'm watching Benny Hinn, and I'm thinking, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Josh is working the night shift, and I'm thinking, this is like so rigged, like this, like, Totally unbelief. No, like, this is so, oh my gosh, the people are falling out. You know, I'm like, and as I'm saying this, Benny Hinn stops. It's live, by the way. Benny Hinn stops. And he said, there's someone in a bedroom. And you have clothes across the bed. I was sorting through clothes because we had lost everything we owned. So every night when the kids would sleep, I would order clothes online. And they would, not online, but. On the phone, no, like Land's Inn. And they would read it. And so, like, I'm sorting through the stuff for the kids that I bought that day to put everything away. And it's all over the bed. He said, there's stuff all over, like clothes and stuff all over the bed. And he said, you're literally saying this is all a hoax. It's just, and he said, if you're brave enough to see if this is the Lord, lift your hand. And I went, cool, give me some. And he said, the Lord, come on you. And it knocked me back on the bed. I was out cold until the next day. The presence of God just knocked me out. And y'all, during that season, I don't know if you can imagine, if you would imagine with me, <coughs> if walk out of your house and now everything that's in there is gone. And now your job is to itemize everything that's there so you can get paid for it from the insurance company. Yeah. Okay, so I had the hardest time during that season sleeping because there were things, many things going on, many things to see to. Are you with me? And what I needed the most was some sleep. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit always meets you on what you need the most. Knock Mm -hmm. me out. So Mm -hmm. we began to pray about this $9,000 that we didn't know where it was going to come from. We get to the day of our closing. Mm. And the night before, I'm sitting at the table with Josh, and I'm like, what are we going to do? 
Like tomorrow, they're expecting a cashier's check for this money. We don't have that. He goes, I don't know. The Lord keeps telling me He's going to provide. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Being the great woman of faith that I was. I was only 20. How old was I? 30? 28. 28. I was just a wee lass. <laughs> so the next morning, we wake up, and when Josh checks our bank account, there was $9,000 in there. To this day, we absolutely have no. His parents swear it wasn't them. My parents swear it wasn't them. I have no idea where the money came from. But when we needed the money, it was there. Amen. I'm not apt to, I'm not saying be weird or undependable or presumptuous, but I am saying God is a good provider and he does miracles that you can't explain. So, meanwhile, back at the Bible. So we go from the way, the truth, and the place that most people never get to is where you get into the place of God's manifestation, manifest presence. It's where the Ark of the Covenant, where you recognize everything in the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus. I love that in the Ark of the Covenant, everything that represented the Old Covenant is in the Ark. But to be on the mercy seat, you have to sit on it. Yeah. So it cannot be accessed anymore. And our cherubim, which we have decided are representative of Jesus, correct? Mm -hmm. Those wings are—so you're literally hidden in Christ on the mercy seat, like a visual of being hidden in Christ right there on the mercy seat. But when you get to this place where His presence begins to manifest, there's a divine exchange. I love—Bill Johnson says it this way, if you leave prayer— unchanged. You did not pray. You had a gripe session. And this is why. Let's look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 28 through 30. Somebody read that for me. But that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii, about $20. And he caught him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly, Give me time and I will pay you all. But he was unwilling, and he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. Oh, is that the wrong one? Yes, I told you the wrong thing. Is it 11? Verse 11 or chapter? Chapter 11, verse 28. I'm sorry, Melaine, it's me. That's okay. Let me do it. Okay. I'm sorry, I I read it wrong. It's me. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus says to me, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, from me, for I'm gentle, humble in heart, and you will find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, recreation, and bless." Blessed, quiet for your soul. So I want to say this. When you actually pray, you leave different. If there hasn't been a divine exchange, you haven't prayed. You prayed from your soul, not the Spirit. Prayer from the Spirit changes you to be more like God every time. And it's not hard. It's not hard to get quiet and identify in your heart. But you're always looking for the divine exchange. You're looking to be different. You're looking to leave different. In Romans 7, 5, and 6, it says, We live no longer 
in the obedience to the written word or code of regulation, but we live in obedience to the prompting of the Spirit and newness of life. One of the things I love about praying this way in the morning is it's like a tuning fork. It's like all of a sudden I'm tuning my heart to the frequency of the Spirit. And what happens is now I'm hearing Him. Now I'm rec- I've am I've tuned my ear to His voice. So when I'm driving and He says, stop, talk to this person, do this thing, don't go this way. Have you ever been at a traffic light and had the Lord say, wait? Yeah. <laughs> it turns green and you hear Jesus say, wait. Yes. And right in front of you, a car accident occurs. I've had that happen a couple of times. Or don't take this route. Don't, don't take this route. Go this way and then find it. There's like an 18 car pile up. Sometimes the Lord will get your attention different ways. But the key is when he moves, Stop and look. Stop and ask. I want to share a story that's coming to my spirit, and then I'm just going to give you some scriptures, and we're going to be done. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. We're kind of it's we're past five thirty. We're all, is this, are we okay, y'all? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh? Now he's a go six. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just feel like I'm being home with you. No. 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 Yeah. They're good. So I want to share this. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I it's like the Holy Spirit is telling me to share the story. My friend Gina years ago. We, we were, it's funny how we, we, we don't talk for the longest time. And then when we talk, it, it's like a supernatural download, but God always has us praying on the same projects and we don't talk to each other. So it would be impossible for us to, to do it. Like, let me give you an example. Like nine 11, I was praying about the planes. She was praying about buildings. We didn't know that, that there were going to be planes crashing into buildings but I was praying on the pr- planes. She was praying on the buildings. But we were praying on the same thing, just not the same way. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. And this happens a lot. So several years ago, I got up one morning, and it was just like, as I left the place of prayer, it was just like, there's danger. There's danger. Like, there's danger. There's danger somewhere. And I'm, So what do you do when that happens? Well, I start digging in my heart like this. Is it Jonathan? That's always my first thought, because if there's ever going to be somebody in trouble, it would be him. You know, so is it Jonathan? No, it's not Jonathan. Is it Josh? No, it's not Josh. Is it Whitney? No, it's not Whitney. Okay. Is it this? No, is it that? The Lord takes me to, is it Gina? Yes, it's Gina. So I start praying about Gina, whatever this trouble, there's danger. There's danger. Two hours later, I get a phone call from Gina. Now I'm alert. We're on full alert. This is what the Bible refers to as watching. You're watching with the Holy Spirit. What are you watching for? Jesus' outcome. All right? So Gina calls me, and she said, I just have this sense. And I said, I know danger. And she goes, yes. And she said, do you have it? And I said, no. And she said, I'm coming over, and we're going to pray. So she comes over to my house, and we sat down, and we began to pray. And as we pray, I said, it's Jennifer, her daughter. I said, it's Jen. She said, yes, it's Jennifer. And I said, the, the devil's going to try to kill her today. And he's not winning. Here's the thing. When God prompts you, you know this confidence. He has it all worked out. Yes. Mm-hmm. He has it all planned out. <clears throat> and what Jesus died to give you is the outcome that he is putting it to. Mm-hmm. And he's alerting you to cooperate with his program to see what Jesus died happen in the earth. 
So it sh- there shouldn't be an element of fear. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. So we just keep praying. We keep praying. I don't know if y'all remember this, but years ago, there was a tornado that hit downtown Fort Worth. Are you familiar with this? Mm-hmm. Right. Jennifer was in downtown Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. The tornado was following her car. God prompted her. So we're praying over here and we're calling out an overpass. We're calling out all these different things that make no sense to us. We're praying in tongues. And in your tongues, when you, your tongues develop, you pray in English. And, and first Corinthians, let me just, first Corinthians 14, Paul says, when the gift is mature, you pray in your spirit and your understanding. Yeah. So when you develop the gift, you start praying in a flow where you pray in tongues, then there's understanding. You pray in tongues, then there's understanding. You pray in tongues and you interpret what you pray. That's what was happening that day. And we're calling out all these things. And all of a sudden we get to this place and it is like, Boom, victory. Woo! We said, huh? Nothing in the natural's changed. Nothing has changed. Nobody can, nobody knows where Gen- Jennifer is. Nobody's heard from Jennifer, but we've been with Jesus and we know Jennifer's okay. An hour and a half later, I get a call from Gina that Jennifer was on the highway, could see the tornado behind her coming, and God told her to pull off, hide in this embankment. She got in a, which is not, being from Oklahoma, this is not a good thing to do, but she got in a culvert to, in the tornado, like got where she was, sucked back up in the clouds like it was going, moved over several miles down and came back down. What happened that day? The devil's tried to kill her daughter, but God. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of times we miss working with God because we're too busy. Our, our mind is too cluttered with our own little things, our own little self. Are y'all with me? Mm-hmm. But when you let your heart ascend into God, mm-hmm. you leave that place with your senses heightened to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then you recognize when He's talking. And this is the thing. The best way to work with the Holy Spirit is to get as stupid as you can possibly be. Get as childlike and as you don't know a thing, I always do that. I get just get lower in my thinking. What is that, Lord? Even if I know, I think I know. What is that? What is that? There? Why, why is this? It reminds me of Whitney. Our daughter, Whitney, had a billion questions all the time. Josh would come home and I would say, there is no space for words. We have no, no more words. Because she just question after question. You get low when you recognize the Holy Spirit. If you want to work with Him, you get low that you don't know. I'm going to give you some scriptures to close tonight. And then I just want us to pray for a second. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I used to call this the recipe for prayer. It really is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Step one, lean not on your own understanding. Step two, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Step three. And he'll direct where you're going. And it really is that simple right there. Proverbs 18, 31 through 37. Nope. Psalms. Sorry. See, I should never do scripture. Yes, I am. I am the Bible. I want to read this to you. I put enough that I needed to read it. Sorry, Psalm what? It's Psalm 18, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. And I'm going to start at verse 31. Could there be any other God like Yahweh? 
for there is not a more secure foundation than you. God, you have wrapped me in power and made my way perfect. Through you, I ascend to the highest peaks to stand strong and secure in you. You've trained me with the weapons of warfare worship. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You empower me for victory with your wraparound presence. Your power within me makes me strong to subdue by stop stooping down in gentleness. You have made me great. Isn't that a great picture yeah. of intimacy with God? I love Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is really talking about being on the mercy seat. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, he who delights, uh, what del- let's see, how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the seat of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In that law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season. I'm going to say this. If you come to God daily, it is impossible to be dry. Mm-hmm. Because this scripture just said, if you come to God daily, you're planted by the stream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as a dry season by the stream. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Let's look at John 17. I love this, and then we'll stop. Mm. This is Jesus' prayer. I love this prayer. I love the part where we're in it. You know, we're in it. <laughs> I love when we're in it. <coughs> I'm going to read it. I like it in this translation. This is what Jesus prayed when he looked up to heaven. Father, the time has come to unveil the glorious splendor of your Son, so that I will magnify your glory. You've already given me authority over all people so that I can give eternal, the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. Did y'all get that? Mm -hmm. And to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom you've sent. I've glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you've told me to do. So my father restored me back to glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Father, I've manifested who you really are. I have revealed you to men and women that you gave to me. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have fastened your word firmly in their hearts. And now at least they know that everything I have is a gift from you. And the very words you gave me to speak, I have passed on to them. Mm-hmm. They have received your words and carry them in their in your heart. They are convinced that I have come from your presence, and they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those who have, be- have been given to me. For all who belong to me now belong to you. And all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Holy Father, I'm about to leave this world and return and be with you. But my disciples will remain here. Holy Father, each one that you have given me, keep them in your name so that they will be united as one, even as we are. 
While I was with these that you have given me, I was guarding them and keeping them in your name. Not one of them was lost except for the one that was destined to be lost so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I'm returning to you, Father. I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you so that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message, and this is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world, because I'm not of this world. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. For they no longer belong to the world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all who will one day believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray for them to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Pray for them to become with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity we enjoy. Boy, think about what I just said there. You will live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you left me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous Father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in a perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me, for your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Yeah.